Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Uh, thank you so much, Nick. Great, great uh, helping us stay on top of the announcements. And not so much announcements, guys. And he said it in his prayer. Uh, we've really battled this during the whole COVID process. And once again, how many are tired of hearing about COVID? Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> but it was a real thing. It really happened. And in the process of that, what we decided as a church is we are never going to get busy just being busy again. Does that, does that resonate? If, if all we do is get busy because we've got a lot of things on the schedule, then we're all just busy doing stuff and feel like it spiritually, but dying on the vine. I'd rather us stay focused on doing things that impact the kingdom. Now, does that, does that mean that the calendar gets a little full? Yeah. But if you're having an impact, you know, Believe me, you'll make time for things that are successful. You'll make time for things that have an impact for the kingdom. And I'm excited about what God has given us the opportunity to do in our neighborhood around us. Amen? Okay, let's set this up this morning. Last week, now we're doing a baptismal service at the end of the service. So this is not a baptismal message, but it is. Um. If you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12, I'm going to be reading from there in a moment, but I want to set that up. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus and John the Baptist, I'm sorry, Jesus and Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead, they were seated in this house, and Mary came in and anointed him with this very expensive oil, and she offered it to him. And we, we talked about that as being our worship last week. But I, I want to emphasize today that Jesus now, the Bible tells us that he had started because there were six days from the Passover. So he knows his time has come. So let me set this up a little bit. <clears throat> if you go back to the Old Testament, the book of Judges, which is right behind Joshua. So Joshua has led the children of Israel out of the wilderness. They've conquered the lands, they've divided the inheritance, and then they move into Judges. Why? Because there was no king in Israel. So each tribe sort of ran themselves and, and took care of their business. But whenever the enemies came in, God would raise up a judge to go in and deal with things. So we call this the book of Judges. And you have judges like Deborah, Samson, Othniel. I mean, you have different, many different judges who were uh, instrumental in this whole process of God using them to deliver Israel. But in the very last verse of Judges, it simply says this. <clears throat> in those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right <clears throat> in his own eyes. Now, does that sound familiar? Does that somehow equate... Uh, the day that we live in even now. 
Maybe you can translate like that, like this. Your favorite leader isn't in charge, so you just do whatever you want to. The person that you want to be giving directions isn't... Now, don't, don't just associate this with politics. I don't care if it's your marriage. I don't care if it's your friends. I don't care if it's your job. It doesn't really matter. It's, the bottom line is it boils down to, I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, now, why, how does that set up where we're going today? Well, let me just, let me set this up. They wanted a king. The children of Israel wanted to be like everybody else. And so God finally said, do you want a king? I'll give you a king. Samuel, go pick a king. And the first king that was chosen was Saul. Saul is picked off of Samuel's ideal of what a king should be. And he picks this man who looks like he'd make a great king. And we know the rest of the story. Then God gives them David. And we know David's life. He's not perfect, but he's a man after God's own heart. But David has a, a son named Solomon. Solomon has a son named Rehoboam. Now, the kingdom after Solomon dies, the children of Israel, they are split in two different groups, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. The, the southern kingdom, Rehoboam, and if it helps you with this, Rehoboam remained and Jeroboam jumped. And he takes the majority of the children of Israel, who are much now in disarray. There's no unity. But here's what happens. Through those bloodlines, 850 years passed, but we know that Rehoboam and the children of Judah, the tribe of Judah, and the, the southern kingdom, they're eventually conquered by Babylon. The northern kingdom is eventually conquered by Assyria. But until that totally is all wiped out, fast forward 850 years, I'm really going somewhere with this, believe me. <clears throat> the Assyrians on the northern side of Jerusalem have built what they call an Acre. It's just a fortress on the northern wall, and from this position, the Assyrians control and beat down the city of Jerusalem and the northern kingdom on a daily basis. I mean, they, they oppress them for over 150 years with everything from taxes to you will live how we say live. To you will believe what we say you will believe. I'm hoping, I'm just giving this a minute to resonate. And a man by the name of Simon Maccabeus. Now you won't find his name necessarily in the Bible, but it is found in church history and in other church writings. <clears throat> Maccabeus goes in and he overtakes the Syrian fortress, demolishes it, and as he enters back into the city, it was such a powerful overtaking that the people all gathered and laid down palm branches before him and waved palm branches because that represented praise to the man who's bringing us victory. Praise to the man, to the one who's bringing us salvation. You've saved us. Praise to the one because you are royal, you are our king. They wanted to make him the king. Now, now, what does this have to do with us? Well, fast forward to the book of John. Now, it's a big time fast forward, I know. But fast forward to the book of John. John starts off his, his word in chapter 1 
by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was made by Him that was not made with Him. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh. John the Baptist turns around in a few, a few chapters and says, I'm not the one. Because see, the children of Israel, listen, they're still looking for a king. They're still looking for a deliverer. Now they're all over, or they're under Roman oppression. So they're still looking for someone to deliver them. John the Baptist comes in proclaiming, and they say, are you the one? No, I'm not the one. Are you, are you a prophet? No, I'm not a prophet. Are you the Christ? I am not the Christ. The one you're looking for when he shows up, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. The very next chapter, Jesus is coming, and John the Baptist see him, sees him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, why is this important? You have to understand, <clears throat> whenever people wanted a throw uh, uh, to take over the government, or whenever people wanted to do their own little coup, for, especially with the Jewish remnant, they wanted to raise someone up to deliver them from political bondage. So once again, someone was there, and it had, Jesus was not the first Messiah to show up. There have been many who came trying to be the Messiah, and, and Rome would deal with them, or the Jews would deal with them, and it always meant death. The, the, the problem is, and as we know with Jesus, when the truth shows up, you can't stop it. You can stop the counterfeits, because they would show up. There would, there would be ones that would show up, and they would quote some prophecy that they were trying to fulfill. But listen, when Jesus shows up and starts beginning to choose his disciples, and then we see the miracle after miracle throughout John that's taking place. And we know that the end of John tells us he did all these things so that we would believe that he is who he really says he is. Blind eyes are open. Deaf ears are unstopped. Those are things that previous false messiahs did not do. So now the people are starting to follow Jesus because they're like, wait a minute. He's not just talking about the Father in heaven. He's opening blinded eyes. He's not just talking about being the one. He's not just hanging out with people who they got a little they got, had a little huddle and said, hey, start calling me the Messiah, and we're going to throw this over. You know, if you start calling yourself the Messiah, you better be, be able to open some blinded eyes. You start calling yourself the Messiah, you better, to op you better be ready to open some deaf ears. You start calling yourself the Messiah, you better start being ready to raise the dead. So, so these guys, we already know they're in it just for the political takeover. Jesus didn't come for a political takeover. Jesus came to save the world from itself. See, there, there's going to he's going to there's going to be a king that comes, and there'll be that political takeover. But the first time he came was not to do the political takeover. He came to save your soul. Every other Messiah came for war. Jesus came for peace. And the Bible says that, that if you continue through the book of John, he's constantly having these arguments or heavy discussions with religious leader after religious leader after religious leader. Now, the people who were hurting, they loved it when he showed up. 
because their life was going to be changed. But every time a life was changed, the religious leaders would get ticked off because now they knew even more were believing in him. So by the time we get to chapter 11, and he raises Lazarus from the dead, many believe the religious leaders get that much more disgusted. And so now when we get to this passage, and I'm just going to start reading right here, starting in verse 9, it says, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest <laughs> excuse me, made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. So now they're looking for Jesus, they're trying to kill him. But we also want to kill Lazarus. It's bad enough to die once. But, but they were looking for what God touches. They were looking for what Jesus speaks into. You know, Jesus, when Jesus prayed before he was crucified, he said, Lord, if the world hated me, it's going to hate them too. See, you need to understand that when Jesus raises you up and does a work in your life, don't think everybody's going to jump in on the bandwagon. He goes, on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Many were believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, now again, we're we're moving into Passover week, okay? They had come to the feast. They heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, in other words, after the resurrection, it hit them. They remembered. And the crowd that had been with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, they continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done these signs. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see, what we have been trying to do is gaining no ground. Look, the world has gone after him. So let, let's break this down, and I've got a few simple points that I want us to apply. What's happening here? Well, first of all, <clears throat> Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. We've sort of been talking about it. But just see, picture this story. Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus enters into the city. They, they begin to yell, Hosanna, cry out, Hosanna. This is, not a, this is not a secret thing. I don't know if you've ever been to Jerusalem or had that beautiful opportunity to visit Israel, but one of the things that impressed me and convicted me, um, when we went to the Wailing Wall, there are, are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And they're not there. Many, some may be against the wall, praying. Some may be against the wall. Some sit there all day long. I mean, it's, it's, they're in touch with God there. But what enthused me was that those who weren't literally at the wall, they were in circles, dancing and singing to the top of their voices. 
screaming, yelling praise. I mean, you could hear it. If you were walking through the city of Jerusalem, you could hear all the celebration going on at the mount, and it wasn't a football game. It wasn't a basketball game. It wasn't the College World Series going on. It wasn't, yay, there's no COVID anymore. These people were shouting praises to God. And I also thought it was funny because they were all Jewish. And you could tell who all the Christians were because we were all standing back going, we've never shouted that loud. Um, we have never really sang that loud without a band. And uh, they don't even have a band in their circling in circles and shouting praises unto God and lifting up the name of God and, and praising God. And there were even Messianic Jews there praising Jesus. I mean, they, they were all, and they were shouting praises. So I know that when Jesus entered the city here, it wasn't like, Hosanna. I use my inside voice. When I praise the Lord, I, I don't want to, you know, interfere with somebody else's praise. So I'm going to just praise the Lord. The other thing that I've loved about visiting other countries is there's no private space. I remember the first time I tried to get on an airplane in India. You've got to be rude. It doesn't matter if you have a ticket or not. If you want to get, you, it's not about getting in line. You'll get knocked out of line by people much smaller than you are. I think I was the tallest man on the flight. And people were like little old ladies, you know, just knocking me out of the way. Because they are like, that's not even a thing to them. We're supposed to get on the plane. If you're that slow, we're going to get on before you. They, they feel the same way about their praise, by the way. It, you know, every, every church I've ministered to in India, you know, they sit on the floor. They're packed together, sitting on the floor, sitting in chairs, sit, sitting on third and second floors on the floor, watching smaller screens than this of what we're doing downstairs and shouting and praising God and bumping people next to them, not saying, excuse me, could you please use your voice? Um, I'm not trying to be silly, but I think it's about time you hit your neighbor and said, excuse my praise. Because when they, when they had the palm branches, they were literally getting out in the streets, waving palm branches. Why? Because in their mind, because one of two things were happening. The real Messiah was coming, or at least another Messiah was trying, and he could be the one. And what they had been seeing about Jesus, they believed. What they had been seeing about Jesus, they saw the miracles. They saw the incredible lives being changed. And they thought, okay, this one's different enough. We're going to praise him. And so they begin to enter the city. Now, we know the rest of the story. Because afterward, Jesus goes to them and he, he, sim he simply tells them. In, in Luke chapter 19, he's even told, they say, please keep them quiet from sharing all this news. And Jesus is like, you know, give it a rest. If they don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. If they don't praise me, believe me, God will raise somebody else. I love what he goes on to say in, in Luke because Jesus even knew they're not getting it. Because when we start really understanding that Jesus didn't come to turn over our political party. You know, I'll say it like this, and I'm trying to be as careful as I can. 
which means I haven't practiced very much. Jesus didn't come to make sure we've got a Christian president. Jesus didn't come to make sure that every nation on the planet, suddenly the president or the king or whoever is a Christian, so he's going to come in. That's not happening yet. That's going to happen, but that's not why he came the first time. Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, the Bible tells us he literally begins to weep over the city because he realizes they're not getting it. He's saying, they think, they think I've come for one reason, but I've come for peace. Now, here's, here's just four, four simple points that I want to share this morning that I believe help us tie in because we're starting with Lazarus. What, what does that resurrection do for us? What does the resurrection of Lazarus do as we read through this passage? I believe it sort of gives us some insight about what a resurrected life could look like, what our lives should look like. Uh, the first thing I think we can apply very quickly is this, <clears throat> that a resurrected life draws people to Jesus. A resurrected life draws people to Jesus. And let me just say this very quickly. What is a resurrected life? Someone who has surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, who has given their lives to Christ, and who is following Christ. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're saved. But when you are saved... You, don't, you live by faith, not by works, but you will do good works. Because faith without works is dead. So don't tell me you're saved if you don't act like you're saved. Don't tell me if you're a follower and you're on your own path. Now, I'm not judging. I'm just saying in the body of Christ, when we're holding each other accountable, um, it's not a bad thing to say, where, where are you, man? What path are you on? Because a changed life... A resurrected life draws people to Jesus. I mean, it, it only makes sense, right? Um, if you're a sports enthusiast at all, don't, don't, please don't tell me that you can go on a field of any play, any sports, and just start doing your own thing. And, and just, well, it'll work out in the end. No, no, a coach will call you over. Someone will call you over. One of your teammates will be like, hey, man, you know, you're supposed to block down on this guy. Yeah, but I feel led to, yeah. I'm feeling it over here. When we're not over there, play right there. That's called accountability. Well, I don't need anybody being the boss of me. It's not being your boss. It's being accountable. Why? Because a surrendered, a changed, a resurrected life draws people to Jesus. Many people say that uh, leadership is influence. I take a different spin on that because I believe your lives are influencing someone. I just, I'm praying we're leading in the right direction. We're leading somewhere, but I pray we're leading in the right direction. And when I look at the life of Lazarus, the Bible really doesn't tell us a whole lot about him after he comes out of the grave, except for he was bound, they untied him, and then he's at the table with Jesus a few times before Jesus is crucified. Don't hear a lot more about him. Didn't hear a lot about him before. What, what we do know is that after he was raised from the grave, called from the grave and came out, what we do know is that we see him with Jesus on several occasions until Jesus is crucified and that wherever he is, 
people can't, they want to see the changed life. They want to see this because I've never seen it before. Can I just get a little bit real for a second? People want to see something in you they've never seen before. People want to see something in you they've never seen before. Now, full transparency, plenty of people have seen everything in me that I didn't want them to see. Can I get an amen? Now, you don't have to, you don't have to, this is going to resonate, but you don't have to act like it. Um, plenty of people have seen the part of me that was not resurrected. Plenty of people have seen the part of me that was still trying to keep one hand out of the grave. You know what I'm saying? That's why when we baptize, it's total immersion. Everything gets wet. We don't want nothing that doesn't go under. Because in our spirit life, there's always a part of us that tries to say, if I could just keep the hand off. Am I making any sense? So, so a, a resurrected life means that you first have to die. You don't need to resurrect something that's alive. It's got to die. But when it's resurrected, it's going to act differently. It's going to look different. It, 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 that means a little bit of something for all of us that's different. But what does that look like at work? What does it look like at home? What is it, you know, and I, I know I'm not, I don't talk about myself because I'm stuck on myself. I just don't want to hurt your feelings. Because it's too easy to point out all the things that are normal in all of us. But what does that mean for John McLeod? I don't yell like I used to. Okay, I'm going to pick on you then. <laughs> you won't yell like you used to. You know when you used to lose your temper on 64? Nobody can even hear you when you're giving them a piece of your mind. I mean, you even act like you're talking on their phone. Because you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You're yelling at somebody and somebody pulls up beside you. and you go, Yes, I'll take four of those um, like you're talking on your hands-free phone. You've done it because I've done it. Here, here's what happens. Uh, that, that, now, a resurrected, because it doesn't mean you're perfect. Please understand what I'm saying. But when you're resurrected, as soon as you start doing it, you're like, Father, forgive me. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can go ahead. I hope you get stopped, but go ahead. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Right? How about a resurrected life? <clears throat> Thinks about others differently than they did last week. Last week you hoped for the worst. Now you're praying for their salvation. Now you're praying for God to open their eyes. Now you're praying for God to do a work in their lives. My point is, when people start seeing, you know, I know what you used to be like. But when I see you now, what's happened? I know what you used to be like. But when I see you now... I don't, something's happened. Well, I once was lost and now I'm found. I was dead and the only resurrection power that works is Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in my life. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but when I miss it, the Holy Spirit is wonderful about tapping me on the shoulder and saying, son, you missed it. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, do I keep going down that path? No. I follow Jesus. Now, I, I'm not going to stay on these too long today. So the first, the first point is simply there's a resurrected life. It draws others to Christ. Because if I'm around Christ, 
Now, we know that people are looking for something, right? If you're not, if you're not him in Jesus Christ and you've not experienced his resurrection power in you, you can say, you all need Jesus all day long. But if they don't see it in you, you're just making noise. But in many cases, with your actions and with your life, you don't have to say a word. They just wonder what's different. I want what you've got. Secondly, a, a resurrected life has no agenda. A resurrected life has no agenda. What do I mean? When Jesus entered the city, everyone there had an agenda. We want to make him king. They were yelling, Hosanna. They were singing praises. They were shouting. They had an agenda. Now, I initially don't blame them, except for it was the wrong agenda. They wanted to make him king because they did not understand. And even though he came riding in on a colt, they still wanted to make him king. You see, the differences there are this. When anytime someone came riding in on a colt, it represented the fact that they're bringing peace. Not a sword. That's why even going back to Maccabees, he came in on a horse, not a donkey. When you come in on a horse, you're there for battle. And, and I, again, don't get me wrong. Revelations tells us the next time he returns, he'll be on a white horse. He's coming back for war. But now here's, here's our dilemma. What are our agendas now? Am I just trying to follow Jesus to get what I want? Am I just trying to follow Jesus so my life will be easy? And when I hear about others' pain, I just sort of pray it's in another city. And then I really, the only reason I hate social media is I'm reminded of what's going on in the world on a regular basis. I mean, I hate social media for a lot of things. But here's, here's the reality. It makes us fully aware that everything we're experiencing it may be around the world, but it's in your backyard. And a resurrected life has no agenda. What do you mean by that? Our only agenda is to follow Jesus. That's our only agenda. Now, that messes somebody up. I know it will, and it needs to. Because here's what happens. If, you, if your agenda is to follow Christ, he will set your agenda. Now, please let that sink in. If you make your agenda to follow Christ, he will set your agenda. Just read the word of God on a daily basis. It will set how you treat people. It will, well, I'm trying to find my purpose. Get off of it. Drop the, drop the purpose thing for a minute. Because I, I, I can tell you what your purpose is, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. That's your purpose. But it's got to be deeper than that. I want to be known. That's how Satan got kicked out of heaven. I'm not trying to, I, I, but Pastor, you're, I've got a dream. Then surrender it. Let your dream die and let him resurrect it, and it'll be his agenda. On the other hand, when you have an agenda, here's how, here's how most of us operate. Now, I'm not being critical, but this is how most of us operate. I have a dream. I have a purpose. I've studied it, Lord. Here it is. Here's my purpose. Here's my dream. Here's what I'm wanting to do. Bless it, please. Lord, here's my agenda. Bless it. 
Here's what I'm wanting to do. Bless it. Rather than, God, I'm going to live in your word. Why do we have a hard time with that? I'm just asking, why do we have such a hard time? And please don't say, I don't like reading. Why do we have a hard time living in the word of God? I've got one simple answer. It's, it's, not, it's not the parts of the Word of God that we don't understand. It's the parts that we do. We already know the parts that we understand, and we just don't want to go there. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't like being told where to go. And so we're going to have our own agendas. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to be an arrogant old man up here, but okay. But please, um, in a few years when you wake up and you realize that you're at the top, but it's the wrong building, um, just remember this day. Because you can have agendas. And if you're praying for God to bless them, that's not what we're looking for. A resurrected life the agenda of a resurrected life is to follow Christ. I promise you Christ will set the agenda. Number three, very quickly. A resurrected life knows real peace. Again, he came in on a donkey, not a horse. Now, why is that important? Until our death, burial, and resurrection, literally, until Jesus comes again, we're going to live in a life in, in a world that is broken. And we talk about wanting to be healed or made whole, but in many cases, that healing doesn't always happen like we think. Um, we've been praying for George. Many of, you, many of you know George, and George and Dorothy, they, uh, they've not been, I know George and Frankie, I'm sorry, they've not been here in several, uh, well, since COVID. Elderly couple. George had a tremendous fall several weeks ago totally broke the upper part of his arm above his elbow. He's had it put back together and is going through physical therapy. But he came this morning to drop his tithe check off. Now, that's not what I'm pushing. But I just can't believe how God is just putting him back together and he's getting strength in that arm. And he even reached out with, me, with it today. And you could tell that he's still got a lot of healing to do. Why? Because I believe that through the miracle of medicine, God can heal. But sometimes the healing doesn't play, take place like we think it does. Why? Because there's a perfect healing that's coming. See, perfection is coming. Things aren't going to be perfect here. There's going to be suffering here. There's going to be difficult times here. There's going to be things that just don't make sense that happen here. There's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty. Why? Because the peace that you and I need, this world can't give it to you. That's why, if I'm not talking to you, don't sweat it. That's why sometimes when, when we think we need peace, we go out and buy something, thinking it will give us peace. And, and what happens after you get it home for about three days? There's no trick questions. You just owe money now on something you thought was going to bring peace, right? Well, pastor, I, I, you know, I look for peace in relationships. Well, good luck on that. Um, I look for peace if I can just get this other job. 
Now, the point is, I can go on and on. That's not what brings peace. Let me tell you why we need peace. Let me tell you what we need peace for. Romans 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invincible attributes, invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And that just means, in a broad sense, they started chasing everything they thought would bring peace. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access by faith into the grace which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Here's what that means. The thing we need peace from is not our circumstances, is we were separated from God. We think we need peace because our car breaks down a lot. No, you just need a car. You know? But you still won't have peace. You know? well, if I had more money, no. <laughs> Please. I'm not trying to pick or prod, but I am telling you this. Until you come to the realization that really who the real enemy is, he's trying to keep you from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's only that relationship that matters. It's only that relationship that gives you peace. You see, when you have the eternal aspect taken care of, it doesn't really matter what happens in the temporal. Several days ago, in Florida, you probably saw this on the news, a man who had been posting um, on Facebook that he just wanted to kill a child, wanted to kill somebody. So we went into a Publix and shot a two-year-old child and that child's grandmother and then himself. Now I say that not to bring up the horrific nature and tragedy that exists in our world today. We see it often. But if Many of you don't know him, but there's a name by the name of John Fantasia. <clears throat> John does all the AC work for us here at the church. John is a good friend, known him for years. And John, John is Catholic by faith. He's, he's always been raised Catholic. He's just a good Italian Catholic guy. And ever since we first met years ago, he would, you know, always talk about our faith. And then we got the facilities here, and he would start coming over. And when I tell you that man has saved us probably $20,000 over the years in AC work, 
because his, his Catholic background would jump out all the time. Reverend Johnny, here's, here's, I'm telling you, when I leave here, I feel God's presence. And Johnny, I'm telling you, he's a good friend of the family and works with the family business. Um, he said, I'm telling you right now, when I leave here, I always, I, I know God's going to bless me because I did some work for the church. And he's got this works knowledge, and I'm like, well, John, God's going to bless you, man, just, just because. It's not because you earned it. But when you bless people, blessings just show up. No, it's different. I'm telling you. When I'm here, I feel God's presence. And, and I would pray with him when he's here all the time. And, and John and I have got a great relationship. So yesterday, I was just looking through some things on Facebook. And I saw that John had posted, I can't believe I'm going to my grandson's funeral. So I texted him immediately said, what's going on? What happened? And he called me last night, and weeping and broken, he said, I had to call you, because whenever we pray, there's peace. He said, that was my grandson. And his mother, his grandmother on the other side of the family. He said he was supposed to be two this week. And I'm not, now I'm not telling you this to pull out your strings. I'm telling you this because you don't know what's going to happen in the next moment, but you can know what's going to happen in eternity. You don't know what's going to happen in the next minute, but you can know what happens with eternity. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying their agendas want peace now. Their agendas want power now. Their agendas, I'm, I'm bringing you eternity through a relationship with the Father. I'm giving you peace and no matter what you experience here, as tragic as that is, because even last night as we wept and prayed on the phone, I, I'm just telling you, he's just a good Italian Catholic. But even the whole time I was praying, he was turning around, be quiet, we're praying. <laughs> and I can't imagine how painful it was for the family to be going through that. But that's how serious a man is about knowing where he can find peace. You see, a, re a resurrected life draws people to Jesus. Has no agenda. Knows real peace. And a resurrected life stands out in the crowd that's fickle. Now, I'm not sure if exactly how I've got that worded out there. A resurrected life stands out from the fickleness of the crowd. What does fickled mean? Wishy-washy. Hot for Jesus one day, cold the next. Jesus even says this in John, or Revelations, I wish that you were hot or cold. But you got so good at being in the middle, making me sick. See, here's, here's our challenge. The world around us, that same crowd that was saying, Hosanna, by the end of the week, was saying, crucify him. The same group that was saying, Hosanna, was saying, crucify him. Why? Because if you don't know what you stand for, you'll fall for anything. And we live in a culture that is demanding you believe a lot of things. That's why your agenda needs to be really clear. Because if you're trying to get God to bless an agenda, it'll never get there. But what does it look like 
when our lives have been so surrendered. And Ingrid, Patricia, if you'll please come. What does it look like for that surrendered life? Well, here's, here's what baptism really is in a nutshell, and we're going to pray. Baptism does not mean you're finally saved. You see, in, in the culture that we see the New Testament church birthed in, even when John the Baptist was preaching and baptizing in the wilderness, but certainly on the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching that first sermon of the New Testament church, and everyone was under the conviction and he simply, they were crying out, what must we do to be saved? Repent. Let's turn around. That's whatever direction you're going in, believe in a new direction. And, and simply believe and be baptized. Be baptized. What the, we see baptism in the New Testament church, and certainly in that culture, meant you were now being buried from your old man, whatever you represented, whatever you were a part of, whatever belief system you were a part of, and when you came up, whatever you were being baptized into, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, into Christ, you were coming up, now being identified with Him. So what does it mean for us? A surrendered life has allowed their agendas to die. The things they're pressing for in life to die. And whatever Jesus is calling them to, I'm not talking about ministries, that, that will come, guys. Don't, don't try to sit down and figure out the rest of your life. Just follow Jesus today. Well, I want to know what I'm going to look like in five years. You may not be here in five years, quite frankly. That's why knowing your eternity is very important. Now, I'm not trying to be sarcastic or arrogant. I hope, hope you understand what I'm hearing. None of us are promised tomorrow. But through Christ, you are promised eternity. We're going we're gonna to celebrate this powerful baptism in just a moment, but I want us to pray. So I propose that they're playing this song as those that are preparing for baptism are coming in a moment because it just simply says, I surrender all. I surrender my agendas, I surrender my stuff, I surrender my life. Lord, I give it to you. Can I pray with you? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we know today the power of a resurrected life. We've seen it throughout your word. We, we see it in those around us, Father. Lord, help us to understand that in most cases, it's not great seen, well-known people that do any of the big things in the kingdom. It's usually that conversation at work because people are drawn to Christ through a resurrected life. It's usually seemingly in the mundane because our agenda is just simply to follow you. And it's amazing how in the simple things you just show up as we're following you. Miracles take place. Lives are changed. Families are changed for eternity. Real peace is experienced even in the midst of a storm. And Lord, even when the world around us is spinning out of control, our culture is just wishy-washy on so many agendas and people's belief systems are just searching for truth. Lord, let us be that solid rock because we're built on you.
Help us to be that, that life that has been raised, raised from the dead, Father, that makes us stand in a culture that draws people to you. Lord, I pray that you touch us today. Speak to our hearts and minds in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Nick, if you'll please come, and we'll prepare for the baptism. Would you stand as we sing this chorus? this scripture. As you know, we're about to witness baptisms take place. And in Romans 6 verse 4 it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We've got, I think, five people going to be coming this morning. They're coming now. And baptism is that. They are buried with Christ but they become that resurrected person. Today, what they're doing is pointing others to Jesus. They're living by one agenda. They're living resurrected this morning in Jesus Christ. I want to read one more scripture for you. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. These people are about to take a new step in their walk with faith. And it's our job as the church, as their brothers and sisters, to hold them accountable and say, you have been made new. You live differently now. You know, like Pastor John said, baptism doesn't save us. It's, it's a symbol. It's an outward expression of our faith. It's like a wedding ring. You know, just because you put on a wedding ring doesn't mean you're married. But when you put it on, you act differently than you did before, right? These people are putting on that wedding ring with Christ, their relationship with the Lord. They are uniting with him and saying, we're going to live differently from this point forward because they've said, I surrender all to you, Jesus. Can we sing that as we just pray in our hearts for those who are about to take this next step? Pastor John will be here in just a little bit to, to baptize them. Let's just sing this chorus again. all to Jesus.
would you pray with me? Father, we praise you for the sacrifice that you made. You sent your son to die on the cross, but he rose in new life. Father, this morning we say that we are able to rise in new life with you. Father, as we are preparing to witness the baptism of of these five candidates, Father, we thank you for the choice that they have made to to be buried with you but resurrected into new life. Father, I pray if there are those here this morning who would like to also take that step, Father, that you would begin to stir in their heart this morning so they would say, I want to be resurrected. I want to live that resurrected life. I want to feel the Holy Spirit in my life as well. I want to be the new person. Father, I pray that you would move in their life this morning. Father, I pray that that they wouldn't be able to leave this place because they just know that there is something that they need to do this morning, and that's to take a step and say, I want to be resurrected with Christ. Father, work in us this morning. Continue to work in our hearts. Continue to open our eyes and our ears to see, Father, what it is you have planned for us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. No, we are so blessed, and uh, I, I do want to say this before we get started, and that way at least a seed will be planted. But we've got several, and you may be seated. We've got several that will be um, coming forth for baptism. But let me say this. We have, um, we've always done this, and, and ladies, we're, we're uh, anyway. Um, when we have services like this, I just want you to understand, if God's been speaking to you and you've never been baptized, We've got towels. Um, it's not even an issue. I, I don't, I'm not saying that to be silly, but if God's, if God's speaking to your heart, uh, being baptized is that, and I'm, I know Pastor Nick just shared this, it's that public confession. That's what you're doing. It doesn't mean you're saved. It means you are publicly saying, um, I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the woman I used to be. Amen? So we'll continue. All right. First up this morning. We have Malia Lewis. Next, we have Christian Simpson Andrews. about this, and I'm talking live, and I'm talking to you, 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 and I'm talking to you
Amen. Next, we have Ariola Moulage. Next, we have Yola's father, Arsen Moulage. I'm so excited for this. Uh, Arsen, we only met a few years ago, but in coming here, made his first public confession of Jesus Christ. And, and this trouble, uh, but he's a substantial leader from his nation, representing his nation here in America. So this is the gospel of Jesus Christ going to another nation. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Finally, church, we have Robert Bob Mills. Amen. Church, Ingrid and Patricia are going to lead in one more song. If you feel led this morning to be baptized, I would just encourage you, you can just go right through this door where the exit sign is. It's not actually an exit. We've got some towels back there. Uh, Miss Leteric will, will take you and we'll send you right into the pool. If you feel led this morning, please come. To Jesus
Hey, everybody. I can't believe I'm doing this in a dress right now. So I, I have to do this right now because this is the last chance I'm going to have to do this here. Um, I was baptized in fourth grade, and as many fourth graders, they understand the love of God because there's no love for God like a child's love for God. But I just, throughout my life, I've made some mistakes. And Pastor John has been very open about that to me over the course of the years. And I continued to make the same mistakes because for anyone who knows me, I'm very hard-headed and I kind of have to learn for myself. Thank you, Corey. Um, but I, nothing in my life has been like being at Grace River, even though I kind of had a two-year sabbatical from Grace River over the course of the last couple of years. But finding my way back has been just God showing his grace to me. And I just want to be able to move forward from here. I'm going to be moving to Houston in the next month and a half, and I just found that out last week. So God has been revealing so much to me, but one thing he's been revealing to me is that I'm going to carry everything that I gained from being here and from knowing everyone here to where I go there and that I'll be back, but I will not forget any of the experiences or any of the people that I've known here. So I love all of you, and I just thank all of you for being a part of my life. This is Danielle Strunk. Amen. Amen. Um, and Daniel can call me out on this. I'm not. Um, here's the cool thing about what Daniel left out. See, if you mess up and you fess up, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I tell people all the time, and I don't, I, you know, I know if you're hearing me for the first time, uh, you know, I know how this probably sounds. Come about four more times and you'll get to know me. It's not out of arrogance, but I tell a lot of people sometimes when I have to sit down with them and have hard conversations, you know, I, I want you to know that I love you. And in about 10 years when you wake up, you're going to realize I was right. And I want you to call me. Now, I've only had a few people do that, by the way. But people have called me and says, man, you were right. And it's not about me being right. I want them to see the word. And see, with Danielle, she was dealing with stuff that you and I deal with every day. And she had a time where she wasn't here. But COVID hit, and then the church started back again, and she ran and crossed paths with, <coughs> crossed paths with Tisha. And Tisha said, you need to come back. No, nobody hates you. And see, when she came in, she was loved. She was accepted, not because of her righteousness, but because of Christ. See, every one of us in here are sinners saved by grace. So to me, when she talks about wanting to be baptized, it's not just to make a public confession for Grace River. It's she, she can't wait to take Grace River to Houston and let lives be impacted there. And so even if you feel a way, uh, you don't have to feel a way. God loves you, and we love you. We'll just journey together. Amen?
Amen. Church, would you stand and pray with me? Father, we thank you for the lives who have been transformed this morning, who are resurrected with you. Father, we praise you. Now, Father, as we leave now and go back home, go back to our work, as we move, Father, I pray that you would go with us. Because our faith is not a faith that lives in church, it's a faith that lives in us. You are not a God who lives in a church, you're a God who lives in us. So, Father, as we leave this morning, I pray that you would go with us, before us and behind us. Bless us, Father. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Church, thank you for being here this morning. If you're watching with us online, thank you for being here. We'll see you guys next week for Father's Day. Make sure you bring your dads, all right? Amen. You may be dismissed. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.